You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX is clipped. Now streaming only on Hulu. Welcome to a new episode of Delirious Nomads, brought to you by Blacklight Media Records, a weekly podcast hosted by yours truly, celebrity chef Chris Santos. I hate calling myself that. And underground metal connoisseur Matt Bacon. He loves being called that. This is your new favorite podcast for all things heavy metal, as well as breakdowns of your favorite combat sports and riffing on some food talk every week with very special guests from across the globe. Hello and welcome to the Delirious Nomads podcast. I'm your host, Matt Bacon. Uh, Chris could not make it this week, unfortunately. However, we do have one of my favorite people in the New York metal scene, Dave Hill of Witch Taint, Painted Doll, actor, comedian, extraordinaire, Seems to like keep showing up in my favorite TV shows very weirdly. Um, wrote the Last Week Tonight theme. What other weird credits should I be giving you? You wrote the Last Week Tonight theme with the guy from Autopsy. No, I didn't. Oh, you just wrote it on your own? The John Oliver Show song is, that's my band Valley Lodge. So that's just a song that I wrote. Oh. And then they were like, oh, we want to use this as our theme song. So it just worked out really nicely. But good luck. Yeah, and then I painted Doll with Chris Reifert and from Autopsy, of course. And uh, what else? Oh, I did Metal Grasshopper with Phil Anselmo oh, like 10 years ago now. More than 10 years. That's wild. Which is on YouTube. What else? Um, I just joined Niflheim. No, just kidding. That's my metal dream. I saw Niflheim a few weeks ago. Where? In Vienna. Oh my gosh, I'm so jealous. I've never seen them live. It was sick. We were like hanging out backstage doing like the old school black metal guy thing. And they have like that stance that the old black metal guys have. Yo, with their arms. Yeah, like with their arms out. I love it. You know, they've got like the beers and they're like making jokes. And you're just like, yeah, this is what it's about is, you know, talking about war with Niflheim. Oh man, I'm jealous. They're the best at metal probably. Is that your take? Is that Niflheim are the best at metal? It's one of the best. I think they, they're just doing it right. And I've, it kills me that I've never seen them live. I was going to see them. They kept trying to come to St. Vitus, and then because of the pandemic, it kept getting canceled, I think. And then I was going to go see them in Mexico City, and I didn't pull the trigger. I'm not pathetic. It shall happen, though. So you've always really struck me as someone with a really deep taste in black metal. Where did that come from? I think initially, you know, I became interested in it. Just I like anything where people take things too far and take things really seriously. So I admittedly got interested in it because I was just hearing like <laughs> the insanity. And then, and then from that, the thing with black metal, like all music, most of it, you got to just keep moving. But then you hone in on a few things that are great. And uh, 
And I think it's, you know, I think it's one of the few subgenres of metal or whatever, where it sort of like transcends metal and you're where you're like, am I even listening to metal anymore? Or am I listening to like, I don't know, it goes into a whole other, you know, like I really like Vemod a lot. Am I saying that right? Yeah. They're on Prophecy. I love that band. It's an, I like get handy to work with them. Yeah. The, oh, you, you work with them? Yeah. They're one of the best ever. And they're like, they, they're to the point where you're like, I don't know. This is like goes beyond. Like I played them for a friend of mine. We were driving and I played it for her. And she was like, like she, she's not even into metal, but she was like, oh, I really like this. Like, and I'm like, yeah, because it like transcends black metal and metal in general. It's like kind of into its own thing. Yeah, and I think that's really I think that's a really important point. It's more about a larger mood, it's more about vibes. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. When it when it gets to that point, like then it becomes something that everyone can relate to, you know? Everyone feels like they're alone in a forest sometimes, you know? It's a good pull quote for the title of the interview. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. I mean, probably half of what I say will be pull quote worthy, no doubt. You are you are the most humble man in black metal. One top three, top three. Top three. Okay. Right. So, okay. So, so I had always wanted to ask you about that and that origin point. Cause that, I guess you must've been getting into that in like the early nineties. I would say late nineties. I was probably like late to the party, I guess, in terms of, you know, Norwegian black metal. I was a few years too late. Um, if you want to be really strict about it, the first wave, of course I was on board with, but then yeah, Norwegian, I was probably later nineties. And then, you know, the, then, you know, I read Lords of Chaos when that came out, like a lot of people did, obviously. But and then that's kind of how Witch Taint started, just because I was so entertained by all that, and and then so I started emailing first like black metal bands, and then I emailed a, a black metal label, and then that's kind of how that whole thing started. Got out of hand. Can you want to tell that story real fast? Because I, I want to kind of tie into your comedy career, but I feel like the Witch Taint story is so hilarious and weird. At the time, you know, it would have been, well, I guess it would have been like, by this time, by the time I was doing the emails, was like, started like 2002, three, And then I think in about 2004, you know, because I did it and then I stopped. But I was like truly just doing it for my own entertainment. I, I had no, no idea that anyone else would see this stuff like it wasn't sure. done like as a thing like oh, i'm gonna do this thing and people people are gonna be into it i wasn't thinking that at all and i was just emailing pretending to be this teenager lance from witch taint who lived in gary indiana with his mom i would just send these emails and then but who are you sending them to labels yeah well i just went there were you know the website Full Moon Productions, FMP666.com, yeah. which I believe is like archive now or something. Yes, probably. But um, there was like a whole page on that website with um, just all these email addresses for bands. So I just started emailing bands, writing these stupid emails, you know, claiming to be the most extreme black metal musician of all time who, you know, happened to live with his mom in Indiana you know, most bands like to, would just write back once and tell me to fuck off or something. But I wrote to this, what I thought was the band Mysticum, but it turned out it was their, lab, their label, Planet Satan Revolution. That guy wrote back like sort of this thoughtful email. And then we just kept corresponding. And I was telling him, you know, you should sign us to your label because 
you know, all your bands are horrible and all this and just being an idiot. Sure. And then I eventually made a, a demo of a, wrote one song sort of on the spot with my friend, John Kimbrough sent that in and the guy like sort of critiqued it. Actually his critique was like really spot on. Like he was, you know, kind of like, here's what sucks about this. <laughs> it's just kind of like, and I don't know. And, and so over the course, you know, this went on for like six months and I started sending emails to my buddy, John, I mentioned John Kimbrough and then my friend David Jaffrey in LA. And, uh, and so it was just sending it to them and then they started sending it to other people. And, you know, eventually someone wanted to build a website with these emails on it. And once the emails, you know, the exchange had run its course, like I said, you know, yeah, you can go ahead and do that. Cause you know, they removed the guy's contact info. Cause I think, you know, the emails aren't, the, you know, it's not like the guy, the guy doesn't he, like, he's just sort of like a patient, thoughtful guy, like and putting up with me, this idiot. Like if it were this sure. thing where it's like, I'm making fun of this other guy and trying to make him look stupid. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have wanted people to see that, nor would I would have, nor would I have done that, you know? Cause I think like, you know, the thing that with the emails is just that this guy is actually just kind of like putting up with this idiot, me. And that's what I think is funny about it. He's like remarkably nice. Yeah. He doesn't come off bad at all. Like he comes off as just like a good guy. So in that way, I didn't think it was like, you know, I didn't think it was bad to share with people. So, but even that, like, I didn't expect it that many people to be interested in it. And it kind of like went all over the world really quickly. And, um, you know, yeah. So it's just, and if you want to read them, they're linked in the show notes. There we go. So, so let's talk about this. Then. So, so this ties in obviously to your comedy career. Mm-hmm. How did that start? What fed into that? How did the comedy career start? Yeah. Cause like you go to Fordham, right? Yeah. And then were you going, doing stand up there or when did you start doing stand up? I'm a super late bloomer with comedy. I never planned to go into comedy. I think, you know, cause I was like, Go, I went to Fordham in the Bronx and and I had a band there called Sons of Elvis, uh, worst band name ever or best band name ever, depending on how you look at it. And we we got signed to Priority Records like right out of college and, you know, had a record come out in the mid 90s and video on MTV at three in the morning and like all those things you dream about as a kid growing up in Cleveland. That kind of ran its course as these things do. and. And then I was just kind of messing around with different things. And I started writing for television in New York. And then through that, like my friend Tony Carnavale had a show like in the back of Parkside Lounge on Houston. And I just went and and read from my like journal. I just would like write a journal every day. And I read that on stage. And, and then that kind of started. And that was like 2005. And then it's just kind of an accidental career comedy just from being an idiot and entertaining myself. And I think that was just the, I don't know. The, I don't know the lesson I learned and that I would advise anybody is just like kind of just have fun and do what you want to do. And, uh, and when you, I think when you don't really put any expectations on it, then things can, things come of it. Um, I think when you like, are precious about stuff and be like, Oh, I want, cause wanting something doesn't really do much for anything. You know, just doing shit is what makes shit happen. You know, sure. it's like, you just, you just have to do stuff. It doesn't matter. So, like if, if, 
deep in your heart, you're like, oh. So at what point were you able to kind of jump off and turn comedy into a career? Started in 2005 and then it, I was very lucky. It went kind of quickly because I was like, you know, I was messing around with video and then I was putting videos on YouTube and stuff and started doing a show, like kind of a talk show type thing called the Dave Hill Explosion at uh, Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. Yeah. And through through that, you know, probably after like a year of doing that, then like, I don't know, probably, yeah, probably like, I was probably doing comedy like less than two years when I got approached about doing like a TV pilot. And then that became a TV show called King of Miami that came out in 2007 on a no longer existing network called the Mojo Network. And I remember that the beginning of my career, like kind of went fast where I was like, oh, you know, I guess I have something here. Yeah, but, you know, I've had a career ever since, but it hasn't, you know, I'm not like a massive household name and, uh, you know, I make a nice living, but I'm not like, don't have houses all over the place. <laughs> so I have sort of a nice, nice career, but I, yeah, it's been, you know, I've just been able to fortunately just consistently work over the years and hopefully that'll, I mean, I guess, you know, as I get older, I kind of go like, well, it's been going this long, like, whatever, I'll, I'll be dead soon enough. I'll just keep going, you know, even though my dad just last week I had dinner with him and he was suggests a magazine he reads, like had an ad for an intern in the back, $15 an hour. And it's in New York. And he's like, Hey, you should think about, uh, you should get a hold of them. Cause I think he's always wanting me to like, get like some proper job rush, you know, work somewhere. <laughs> I mean, there's an actual Seinfeld episode about this. Oh, was there one? Yeah, where, like, Morty is trying to get Jerry to join, like, the management development program at a department store. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty much a constant thing. Like, my mom, she's been gone for, like, almost 13 years now. But in, like, the last six months of her life, she called me and was like, oh, my friend saw you on HBO last night. And, uh... And uh, she's like, that's pretty, that's good, right? And I was like, oh, she's finally, like, getting, like, what I do. I'm like, yeah, you know, I think it's pretty good. And then there's, like, this pause, and she goes, what's HBO? Like, she truly didn't know. <laughs> I mean, she never had an email address, you know? Yeah. That's, like, the band my father is the proudest that I work with is a flock of seagulls. I mean, now I'm pr- I'm proudest of you for that, too, now that I've heard it. I don't know. I was like, Dad, I work with fucking, like, real, like, Bethlehem. I don't, yeah, parents, they need, like, something that relates to their life on some level, you know? Sure. I, like, I write books, and I think, like, 90% of the reason I write books is just so I can be like, Dad, here, I wrote this. He can hold it in his hand, you know? Yeah, he, be like, like, he'll look and be like, oh, I've heard of this publisher. I know what this is. There you go. So, during the pandemic, you started doing a few video series, probably on TikTok and Instagram and whatever. And I actually was looking before this, and I didn't realize how much your Instagram had blown up since you and I have become friends. Uh, although we've been friends yeah. since, I think, maybe right before Instagram was even a thing. Yeah, I think I've known you now. Like, almost a decade. I'm, yeah, I met you. You were such a pretty young, for such a pretty young thing when I met you. I know. No, you were like unfathomably young. I remember. Yeah, 
as was I, but you know. But I was like really young. Yes, you were really young. I met you at the Housecore Festival. Yeah. So over the pandemic, you start a few series. The one that seems to have really taken off is your Townie Punk series. Yeah, where you ride around town on your very small bike and threaten Townie Punks. Talk to me about this. You know, like a lot of people, like during the pandemic, my girlfriend and I, we went to visit her mother for what we thought was going to be like three weeks in like a small town outside of Cleveland in Ohio. And, um, you know, we, we just locked our apartment and, you know, we kept our apartment the whole time. And we just thought like, oh, we're going to be going back home. But we ended up being, you know, stayed with her mom for like a year. And uh, there was just no one in this town. Like you literally wouldn't see anyone. Like you might see one car. You might see someone walking like a hundred yards away. My girlfriend's brother loaned me his bike or one of his bikes and, and I would just ride around this town every day. And then I was like losing my mind and I started just like imagining, you know, like my enemies in the town, like these the townie punks, like like kids who would, you know, who would want to like get into trouble with me. <laughs> and so, of course, but I never ever saw anybody. I would just imagine this. And then I started making these videos where I would threaten to fight them. What was the origin? You have a, you have a, I think it's an eagle cry that you do. Oh yeah. Like cacao, cacao. Yeah. <laughs> what was the origin of that concept? I think like, you know, when I was a kid, kids would do it like as like a way to call to each other from, you know, from one backyard to like another backyard, like, five houses down, you know, we used to do stupid stuff like this or like the big kids did. I don't know if I ever really did, but that was what just my memory was. is just like kids like calling to each other. Kids make bird noises at each other. Yeah. Around my block growing up. So that's, yeah, I just remember that and would do that. Like, like I was calling out to, to the townie punks, let them, let them know I was coming. So it's such an absurd series that like brought me a lot of joy during the pandemic. I remember there's a line you have in there about like you want to squish their melons with with your fists and how that feels actually a little too sexual. Oh, maybe. I don't know. I did so many of them. I mean, like I wouldn't really put much thought into it. I would just like kind of. Well, that's what made it so good was you could tell it was just you as enemy of the tiny punks. Does that character have a name? I guess just Dave Hill. I don't know. I think it's my name. I don't know. <laughs> just, this is what Dave Hill does when he's not with you. Yeah, I just started doing that. And it, it's kind of funny. Like, it's just easier also to make videos like in a small town in Ohio. So I tend to, even when I go back there now, I'd probably make more videos than when I'm home in New York. And like, so a lot of people, you know, especially as you mentioned, like with my Instagram growing and like these new people, a lot of people think that I live in this little town. And then now when I post stuff in New York, people in New York will be like, you're here? What are you doing here? Or are you performing? And I'm like, yeah, I've been living and performing here for like 20 years now, <laughs> you know? Yeah, this is, this is in fact who I am. Yeah, but uh, yeah, and then, but I don't know. I'm tempted to just move back there to Ohio because, I mean, I, I won't, but like they like uh they've got a lot of the people in the town now 
know who I am from the videos. So when I ride my bike around town, like people will wave to me and stuff. It's kind of grown. So, uh, so you've become a home, a hometown hero of a town that is not your home. Yeah, exactly. When I'm there, people, people get psyched. So, you know, I'll take it. I'll, you know, any, any attention in any form, I'll take it. You know, I understand. I work with musicians. Yeah. Yeah. It's just pretty much the, the look at me business. So how has the return to the stage been for you? I mean, it's been fun in some ways, but like not, you know, that way it hasn't been like, Oh my God, it's so great to be back. I've missed this so much. You know, I'm cause I'm not partially like I'm, I mean, probably more than half of me is like a huge introvert who has no interest in being on stage whatsoever. And I've just kind of know, I know that when I'm on stage, I, I like it, you know, but I, I hate the idea of it all the, the whole rest of the time. Like last night I did the set here in New York and I was on stage for 15 minutes and leading up to it, I was sitting there, you know, I showed up at the club, was waiting to go on, on out. All I was doing was sitting there thinking like, oh my God, fucking hate this. I want to quit. I should quit and cancel all my upcoming tour dates. And then I go on stage and I had a, like a really great time. And then I walked home and I was like, oh, that was really fun. <laughs> you know, and, and that's this like is okay. Over... Yeah, it's literally every single time. Like my girlfriend is so sick of it. She's like, it's strange. She's like, it's beating on you, but it's just as bad for me because you put me through it because you like skulk around the apartment, like dreading, you know, this or that. And then you're like, oh, it was great. It was packed and this and that, you know. But so in that way, I, I, I'm just the same. It's sort of just come back to be the same where I'm like, I dread it. And, but I know that I like it when it's happening and then shortly after you have to throw yourself in it's like sex you know what it's you know the thought of it uh, just i uh, hate it hate it but you know when when it's happening oh, God, like, another oh. person near me Ugh. yeah yeah but then you're like oh my gosh i'm so glad i stopped off at the bus station today <laughs> <laughs> but i don't know no so but it but it's been good though like i've been touring a lot probably more almost more than ever in the last year. Well, you just did like a bunch of dates in Finland, right? Well, I did two in Finland. I, I My next book is about hockey. So I went there. The main reason I went there was to see hockey games, pro finish hockey games, and then pretend I was in an hockey, Kurosawa movie. And then, but then I figured like, as long as I was going there, I should book a few shows. And I really just wanted to do like, you know, 10 minutes one night just to be like, oh, I did perform in Finland. And then I I got in touch with a, a comedian over there, Hari Sanilia, hilarious guy. And he was like, oh, I can get you. So I did an hour in Helsinki and, and an hour in, in Tempara. Um, so it was super fun. And, um, but like the same thing, like there's, it was really fun to do, but there's also like, I think when you have like an hour show looming over your head, the day is at least partially ruined because all day long you're thinking like, oh, I got to get up and talk for an hour in front of a bunch of people. Um, but it, no, it was, it was fun. And it, it's, it's, I think performing is a, you know, a great way to, to meet people. I mean, 
performing with comedy is way better than in terms of like seeing places like when you're touring with a band as you know you know it's like basically oh i'm driving around with these four five twenty however many people are in your thing and you're not really seeing anything and then you show up maybe you can sneak out and check something out for a little bit but probably not and then even when you do you get like have this conversation like with all these oh what do you what do you want to do oh you have to go buy socks okay um but when you do it as a comedian it's just you so like it's really fun and you can meet people and like you don't have like a a bunch of gear that you get to worry about you know yeah and everything just takes longer when you're uh when you're with a band i feel yeah yeah it's it's uh it's it's not a, not the best way. I get like as Tom Tom Araya said or Araya, however you say it, said like he's been all over the world, but he really hasn't seen anything <laughs> in his entire career because he's just like it's hotel rooms and shows. But I, that's why I, I started running though because um, I was I played guitar in Walter Schreifel's band, Walter from Quicksand and Gorilla Biscuits and all that. Yeah, um, I played in his solo band for uh, a few years and we would go on tour and he would go running every day. And then, so I started just coming along with him and uh, it's how I got into running, but it was also like how I learned like, Oh, like this is like a great way to see a new city. Cause you're, you're just out running around. It's also, you're moving faster than, than you're walking. So like now, whenever I travel, I go running, you know, mostly for like my mental health, but also like you cruise around, you're like, oh, that coffee shop looks cool. I'm going to come back here later. This restaurant looks good. Um, you know, it's like a quick. Uh, sure. Like you feel like you can sort of do the thing a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's a good, uh, good thing I learned from Walter as a way to like see and do something in every city. Even if you have very, you know, even if you only have like a half hour, you just go go for run around town. No, absolutely. Cause there's definitely entire countries I've been to multiple times that I don't know anything about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Belgium barely know anything. I've been running in Belgium, but that's about it. So looking forward, what are you excited about? What has you uh, thinking about the future? Finishing up a new Valley Lodge record now. And then that's cool. in a few weeks, I'm going to get together with Chris Reifert. We're going to hang out and, and who knows, we might, maybe we'll do another Painted Out record. Not when we hang out, but maybe the seeds of uh, of that will come together. So at the very least, I'm looking forward to seeing him and his wife, Nancy, and, you know, eating some food. And uh, let's see, next week I go to Seattle and Portland with Puddle's Pity Party, if you know him. He's amazing. Yeah. If you do, if you don't know him, get go on YouTube now, and, and you'll become a fan instantly like I did. I think and uh yeah and then i have a new book coming out in the fall of this year so i'm excited for that and like hopefully there'll be a fun tour around that and like book tours are are pretty like they're low stress relative to every other kind of touring because you're just kind of showing up and, and it's not even at night usually talking and some yeah or it's like not or it's maybe se- at the latest seven o'clock 
you know so you just kind of show up and talk and sign some books and hopefully uh eat some nice food so i'm looking forward to that whatever that entails and then um yeah i don't know seeing what else comes up i don't know well i'm gonna do some acting hopefully i mean i know i'm doing some hopefully i'll do more than i'm aware of right now i'm determined to become an action movie star is that an actual goal no no but i i would it's fun acting like it's not i didn't grow up like you know doing plays or you know i'm a wild horse as you know matt so yeah but i've been able to do some acting a stallion from way back so um you know I'm, i'm i've been able to do some and hopefully do more i think it would it's fun to do and uh and just like i just still learning i don't know you know i don't really know that much about it so i'm just kind of learning and and uh so i'm excited to do more of that and but more than anything i like to hang out and eat food and drink some coffee and play with my dog so really those those last bit is what i'm most looking forward to not a complicated guy no i'm a simpleton really i like to you know, I do like to travel, but I don't like the traveling part of it. Sure. I like to be like zapped. Play- if I could be zapped places, you know, like I'd be zapped to Dresden and then you and I go out and get, I don't know, some some Dresden magical thing, whatever it is. I don't know. It's what's almost six o'clock there. Yeah, it's five. It's five ten. Yeah. You know. Yeah. What is everything closed? Everything's probably closing up and then it's shifting to the night. Yeah. So we could go. uh there's a big Lebowski themed bar around the corner. That's kind of weird. Oh my god! See, perfect. Get some white Russians. It smells terrible inside, but yes, I would assume it smells terrible. It's weird. Like I was in uh, Estonia a couple months ago, and there was a Depeche Mode themed bar there. They only played Depeche Mode. Interesting. And I wanted to do them one better. It's called Depeche Mode Bar, as as you may have guessed, and then. Um, but I want to open a bar called Personal Jesus, where we only play Personal Jesus over and over. That's like when I did my DJ sets, I would just play Kiss. Oh, that's a good DJ set. Just to see how long I could go. I thought it was a good DJ set. Yeah. Would you play classic era or would you go into like lick it up and all that? Oh, I'm really into 80s Kiss. Like I love classic era Kiss, but I think you got to like borrow from both and then you mix it up. And yeah, sometimes people don't even know. Yeah, when you just hear it, they got some jams, obviously. You rock and roll. Big time. Anyway, are there any final things everyone should be absolutely aware of before we wrap this up? Um, it's really important to drink a lot, of, drink water. A lot of people aren't hydrated enough. So if, that, if I could impart any wisdom to people, I would, drink, I would drink a lot of water. What else? Yeah, I don't know. Go to my website, DaveHillOnline.com. My tour dates are there. Follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Mr. Dave Hill at MR Dave Hill. And this is what, uh, well, no, this is, I have to, I, I follow, you know, I, I, and I heed your advice. You're wise. It's very kind of you. Man, well beyond your years. But uh, I'm really like TikTok. This, it's such a cruel mistress. Yeah. We talked about this because you were like slaughtering for a minute. Slaughtering. And then they just pull the plug on you. And then, of course, my reaction is like, well, I'll show you. I'm going to pull the plug on you. And they're like, yeah, we don't care. So it's really, it's, it's a cruel mistress. But yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just going to be out there touring and stuff and come, come on out and, I don't know, read my books. Find whatever 
point of entry into my body of work. Don't find a point of entry into my body, please. Yeah, we've already talked about this. Yeah, less of that in twenty twenty three. I made the I made the made some cash when I really needed it, but those days are behind me. Gonna stay away from the bus stop for a while. Yeah, you have to. Okay. <laughs> well, I appreciate the insights and the endless wisdom and uh, bus stop guidance. Yeah, sure. So. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week. All right. So that was awesome. Thank you, everyone out there, for listening to Delirious Nomads, sponsored by Blacklight Media. We will be coming back at you next week with another awesome guest. Be sure to follow Blacklight Media on socials for new music and more. And above all, keep it heavy. Bowie, Dylan, Marley. You've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.